Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You can pretty much go anywhere. You can talk about church. You can talk about religion. You can talk about all kinds of stuff. But when you address the name of Jesus, sparks begin to fly. But see, it's always about the name of Jesus. Why is it about the name of Jesus? Because of Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no other. For there is no other name under heaven by where men can be saved. That's the reason. The name of Jesus changes everything. Why is it that you can talk about almost anything else related to church or religion, but if you mention the name of Jesus, people get uncomfortable? In today's message, Pastor Mark talks about what makes the name of Jesus so volatile. He quotes Acts 4.12, For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What makes the name of Jesus so divisive is the exclusivity attached to his name. It's one thing to talk about going to heaven, but when you say that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven, that changes everything. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark as he begins his message entitled, The Demands and Benefits of Discipleship. Turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 10. When you became a Christian, what did you expect that life to be like? What did you expect the Christian life to be? Did you expect it to be easy, difficult, kind of just normal? What expectations did you have? Well, see, when we became Christians, some of you went to a church and Well, here's what they said to you. You'll still see it on TV today. Oh, you want to be a Christian? Well, you just ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and you ask forgiveness of your sins and, hey, you just kind of go back to normal life. That's about it. Once saved, always saved. No big deal. Just go for it. It's not a big deal. As long as you ask Jesus and you get that certificate, everything's cool. That's what the Christian life's like. Well, some of the rest of you sitting here, when... You ask about the Christian life, somebody from this kind of angle said, oh, you want to become a Christian. It's prosperous. In fact, everything you do, once you become a Christian, oh, there's no more trouble. There's no more pain. Sickness, that's gone. You'll never be short a dollar a day in the rest of your life. And things are just going to be incredible. It's prosperous. It's prosperity. And then some of you... Well, you watched other Christians, and it took you a long time to become one, because when you watched them, all you saw was somebody that lived kind of a boring life. 
And it was filled with don't do this and don't do that. What is the Christian life like? What can we expect? Is there some balance on all of that? Well, yes. You're going to see today that Jesus is going to say to his disciples, well, you're ordinary followers of me, but but there's some different things that are going to take place in your life. There's a difference between becoming a Christian and then becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple. There's a difference. And over time, Jesus began to explain, well, the demands of discipleship and the rewards of discipleship. The 12 followers, you see, way back, When Jesus said to, let's say, the fishermen, come follow me, what did they expect? What was it going to be like? It's interesting to me, initially, Jesus didn't give them the whole spiel. He just said, come follow me. But there came a day, this is actually here in chapter 10, when he lays out the demands and the rewards of discipleship. You see, later... Peter, who was in that first group, who gets this teaching in Matthew chapter 10, he writes this simple verse. 1 Peter 2.2 2, You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you can grow into the fullness of your salvation. Cry out for this nourishment as a baby cries out for milk. So, what is the Christian life like? What can you expect? Let me use this illustration. Picture this ladder that I have today that goes all the way to heaven. When you become a Christian, the first thing that happens, you're on rung number one. You're on the step. You have to get involved in the life. Nobody else is on this ladder. This is your ladder. Well, the Christian walk is more than just getting on there and going, Hey, I'm saved. Take me up to heaven. No, it doesn't work that way. Now there's steps of maturity. Peter says, desire the Lord. Become more like Christ. So our Christian life is about maturing into a disciple. The demands that Jesus puts on us. You'll see these demands. No, they're not wishes. They're demands. And as we grow in our walk, we we move up the ladders, the rung, the steps of this ladder toward discipleship. By the way, it never ends, but it really ends in heaven. Now, it's not too important, really, what rung you're on today. It is important that you get step one. Some of you have been Christians a while, and you look at the other guy's ladder and go, man, he's on 12, and I'm on 4, and it doesn't matter. You have nothing to do with that other person. It's how you're progressing. So it's not really what rung you're on today as you become more and more like Christ, but it is important in this way. You must always be going, let me ask you, are you? Look at your walk. You see, it's not, well, Pastor Mark, I've been a Christian 12 years, I'm a step one. There's a problem. I see some of you, and you come. And you've been coming for a long time. You're not involved in a small group, you're not involved in anything. You come, I'm glad you're here. And maybe you are maturing outside the church, I don't really know how, unless you're involved. Are you? You see, Paul would write in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, he says, you're carnal, you're baby Christians. You never get past step one. And then you wonder, that's the Christian that's boring. That's the Christian that thinks that life is just about, no, 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 no. It's not it at all. But as we mature, as we move up, 
Some of you say, well, uh, I just stay in that step forever. Realistically, you never stay in that, the salvation step you do. But what happens if you're not moving up, you're actually moving down. So what is a disciple? Here's the definition. Let's remind ourselves very simply. A disciple is a lifelong learner under discipline. That ladder, those steps, those rungs, well, it involves a D word and an S word. We don't like either one of these words, really. The D word is discipline. It's training, as we're studying the Bible this morning. It's training that informs and directs and corrects. And to learn, it requires submission. What is submission? Well, submission is an action, but it's an attitude. So when Jesus says, I want you to do this, that, and the other, it's a willing attitude that wants to cooperate. You see, I'm made, listen, listen, I'm made to go up the ladder. That's what I'm made for, to become more like Christ. And the higher I go, by the way, there's more trouble, but the higher I go, the more I become like Christ and the more fulfilled I am. And Jesus just says to his disciples, here's my game plan. When you get ready to go out here, listen, watch, watch, here's what you can expect. Now, some of you might be saying this morning, well, Pastor Mark, this is great for the disciples. That's 2,000 years ago. So what? What in the world does it have to do with me today? It has everything to do with you. We're a disciple. This is what you can expect. And to be honest, many times you will never hear chapter 10 taught in a church. Certainly not verse by verse. Because it includes the word demands. Are you telling me God demands me to do some things? Yes. And we're to submit to that. So sometimes you'll never ever hear this. You might pick a verse out in this chapter, but you won't hear it in context. But this, understand, this is what Jesus just says to his disciples. Here's what to expect. Let me give you these lessons. We're going to learn them today. Because they're not only demands, there's rewards that go with it. So I'm in this process, if I'm a disciple, you are. We're on this ladder of life, and I'm learning what to do and what to believe and how to live and how to witness and how to make other disciples. I, this is daily lifestyle of just submitting my life to God and following Jesus Christ. And, and as I do this, God lives in me, and it's incredible. Here's what you can expect as you live for Christ. Lesson number eight. We learn that opposition, conflict, spiritual warfare... And suffering for a disciple, for a Christian, are inevitable. You can't bypass it. There's not a ticket you can go that takes you around. It's not a bypass. It's impossible. There will be potholes in your road, on the road of life. Life is a battle. Look at verse 16, chapter 10, verse 16. I'm sending you, Jesus speaking about his disciples, speaking to us, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. That's an interesting picture, isn't it? I'd rather be the wolf than the sheep. But we're not. We're going to be sheep. He says, I'm sending you out, notice, in a dangerous place. There's going to be opposition. Well, how do I act when I go? Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Jesus says, I'm sending you out. And as you go out in the world, you're going to be a sheep. You're going to be the character of a sheep. You're me. I was kind, but I was shrewd. Notice, when we speak of snakes, um, sometimes all we think of is evil, because that goes back to the Garden of Eden, but snakes are really pretty wise, they're shrewd. So Jesus says this, when you go out and hit this conflict, you've got to know 
Well, you've got to know when to confront and when to back off. See, he says, when you go out, well, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be attacks. And when possible, present the gospel. Pick your battles. If you can't, be sharp, be smart, back up, move off. Paul would say to Timothy sometimes, don't get involved in these non-ending questions. People attacking Christianity. Well, what about this? What about this? Can God make a rock so big that he can't pick it up? Okay, now what are you going to do with that? Well, I'm going to spend a week studying it. What are you, crazy? He says, fold them, move on. It's useless. It isn't going to get you anywhere. So we have to be wise. Now, in those days, if they came to a household, when you go into a sheep and they're going to try to devour you, you don't let them devour you, you move on. You just leave that town, you leave that home. In those days, remember, they spanked their feet on the ground. We don't do that, we just, we just leave. If you're presenting the gospel to somebody and it's not being received, they're kind of being really like an enemy trying to devour you, you just move on. You're not going to get anywhere. So be sharp, be shrewd as snake and just an innocent as a dove. Try to find peace wherever you can. Now, these next verses take us past where Jesus is with the disciples. And watch me. Because you're going to have two jumps today. They move us to the book of Acts. They move us about three, less than three years ahead to when Jesus actually goes back. And they move us to a period of time called the church. Well, we're 2,000 years since the forming of the church, but we're still that time. So these specifically apply to us. We come up with a lesson number nine. We learn that the opposition will be widespread. In other words, Jesus says, when you go out and begin to share the gospel, it's going to be very widespread. There's going to be all kinds of people against you. Look at verse 17. Be on your guard against men. Well, where's the opposition going to come from? It's going to come from men. Pastor Mark, I thought it was always from Satan. Well, it is. It's Satan influencing evil men and evil women. That's what it's always about. He says, be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils. And I want you to look at this word because we'll come back to it in a moment. And they will flog you in their synagogues. So these are only Jews. He says to his Jewish brothers, your Jewish religious brothers are going to be this opposition. Oh, they're going to flog you. They're going to beat you. They're going to, well, they're going to hate you. Well, why would this battle be? Look at verse 18. Circle the first three words. You must understand this. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. So how broad is this battle going to be? How broad is it going to be? Well, it's going to come from religion. It's going to come from governments. It's going to be in a moment, you're going to see it, even families. It's going to be even from inside the church. Now, do you mean that could happen today? Well, sure. What is the the reason for the conflict? I ask you to circle three words. What were they? On my account. On my account. Well, that brings us to lesson number 10. We learn that spiritual warfare is all about Jesus and the gospel. You see, it's all about the name of Jesus. You know, in our country today, it's the same. 
you can pretty much go anywhere. You can talk about church. You can talk about religion. You can talk about all kinds of stuff. But when you address the name of Jesus, sparks begin to fly. But see, it's always about the name of Jesus. Why is it about the name of Jesus? Because of Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no other. For there is no other name under heaven by where men can be saved. That's the reason. Now, I want you to keep your finger right there. And I want you to turn back to the book of Acts chapter 5. And I'll go there with you. And I want us to go through a story. True story. Remember Jesus said you're going to be flogged. It's always going to be about me. Let's move ahead just a a number of months, maybe a a couple years, and we'll begin in chapter 5, and think what Jesus just said. Here's what you can expect when you go out. You can expect that the battle is going to be about me. You can expect that there will be persecution, there will be opposition, and it's going to be widespread. Let's begin in Acts chapter 5, and I'm going to skip through the verses here quickly so we can finish. Let's look at verse 12. Now the apostles. Now who are the apostles? These are the people who are getting the lesson about a year, year and a half, two years from Jesus. They had the lesson. Here they are operating. Jesus is already back in heaven. Now the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And then in verse 15 and 16 it says... The power of God was so powerful that Peter would walk down the the streets and people getting in his shadow would be healed. Well, why would anybody be against that? Well, take a look at verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles, put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. Well, at daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they'd been told, and began to teach the people. By the way, what do you think they began to teach the people? What name did they mention? The name of Jesus. Now, the next few verses just tell us that basically what happened is this... uh, Sanhedrin got together the next morning. They said, okay, go get these apostles that are in jail. Bring them to us, and we're going to see what we can do here. Well, they go to get them, and the guards come back and say, "Uh, the guys that you put in jail, they're not there. What do you mean they're not there? Well, the doors are locked. We don't know what happened to them. Well, where are they? Here comes another guy. Well, the guys you're looking for, you know, you arrested them on the street yesterday, you put them in jail. You know where they are? They're in the streets again. So they go, and they bring them back. God has a great sense of humor, doesn't he? I love it. They go and they bring them back. And as they come back, notice some things happen. Um, Look at verse 27. Having brought the apostles, they take them from the street and bring them back. They made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. Notice what he says. We gave you strict orders not to teach. Hello. In what name? His name. We told you, you can do what you want. Quit that name of Jesus. Because... He says, look at this, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Now, what goes on is, they said to him, don't teach anymore. And a lot of give and take, Peter goes, 
I don't care what you say. We're, we're going to obey God. We're not going to obey you. And so we're going to submit to God, not to you. And then as they move on, they're going, well, what can we do to these guys? And a wise man named Gamaliel, a Pharisee, gets up and he says, hey, guys, you can't kill them. They're too popular in town. We'll have a riot. And number two, he says, if this thing is of God, you're not going to stop it. And the guys go, well, I guess you're right. What's the wise thing we can do? If we can't kill them, what can we do to these guys? Well, skip on down to verse 40. His speech persuaded them, and they called the apostles in and had them... Hello? Do you believe when, when the apostles were beaten, flogged? Do you believe they remember what Jesus taught them a few months before? Can you meet them going and go like, Pete's going, what was that all about? I mean, we got, what in the world was that all about? Nobody ever told us to expect this. No, they were told to expect this. It would happen to them. Do Christians get flogged today in our world? Not too much in the States. In the world? Absolutely. Last year when I was in India, I was teaching on a Sunday morning to like 500 seminary students. About 10 minutes away, six of those students were beaten almost to death for the name of Jesus. You see, we're isolated here. I mean, about the most difficult thing we run into is I can't find a parking place. Or someone makes fun of us. Well, yes, they were beaten. Now, when you're beaten and you know to expect it, it goes along with the territory. How do we respond? Well, then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They ordered them not to speak in the... The name of Jesus. That's the focus. Look at verse 41. And the apostles left the Sanhedrin. <laughs> it's terrible. Is that how they left? They left the Sanhedrin doing what? Now, you can't do that unless you're filled with God. Well, Jesus said, when we're beaten, we have to rejoice. Okay, it's time to rejoice. Let's rejoice. No, you can't do that. You've got to be filled with God. They left... They left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they've been, watch, counted worthy of suffering and disgrace for the... It's all about Jesus. It's not about Calvary Chapel. It's about Jesus. It's not about God. It's about the name of Jesus. Then look what happens. And day after day in the temple courts, and from... From where? From house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news. What is the good news? Jesus is the Christ. So they went day to day in the temple courts and from where? From house to house, house to house, house to house, house to house. Palmer, will you quit it? Will you? No. Because we're supposed to be like them. That's what happens. You need to be in a small group, men's, women's, like I told you. Get into a home group. That's where you grow. That's where you step up on the ladder and you mature. A disciple is a lifelong learner. In today's message, Pastor Mark shared what it is that we learn as disciples of Jesus Christ. First, we learn that opposition, conflict, spiritual warfare, and suffering are inevitable. Second, we learn that the opposition will be widespread. And third, we learn that spiritual warfare is all about Jesus and the gospel. You can talk about all kinds of things related to church or religion, but the name of Jesus changes everything. 
Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on Today's Date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. There are many lessons to be learned as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Some lessons are hard, some are easier than others. In our next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark continues sharing the lessons we need to learn as disciples. He will share with us that opposition brings opportunity and that a true disciple goes the distance. We are in a war. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we can expect to have to fight until we get to glory. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurry.